all yours. Okay, Ray. Well, good this morning to be able to say morning to you collectively. Church, good morning. And my thanks this morning to the Oversight for their invitation to share with you this morning the message that God has put upon my heart. Now, I think it would be good, as I would be speaking to you from three Gospels this morning, if you made a note of them, I'll let you have the, the Gospel chapters, and then you can share them, read them in your own leisure time at home, and just concentrate this morning, lean back, and let God minister the message to you. My message is, so the title of it is Breakthrough Within the Storm. And you probably guess where I'm going. But the chapters are Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 6. Now, there are two reasons for me doing that. The first is that many have said that there are contradictions in the Scriptures, but there aren't any. And secondly, it's because each of the writers give you an impression of the same incident, different aspects. For instance, Matthew writes about the storm. Mark writes about the happenings after the storm, while he includes the storm. John includes a storm, but he tells you how it began. So there are three different aspects of it. When you consider that the Gospel of Mark was the first gospel to be written, widely accepted, about 60 AD. The Gospel of Matthew was written in 70 AD. And the Gospel of John was written in 90 AD. So we have a period of 30 years. So there was no way in which they could collude with one another or share details with one another. So they're entirely separate Yet it says the Lord has spoken to them. As Peter said, holy men of God spake in time past according to the word of the Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit spoke to them and told them how to work it out. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. Now there's quite a lot to the background of it which I can't go into because of time. So what we're going to do is make sure we're standing on a firm basis and jump in at the deep end with both feet. (laughs) Because that is the portion that I want to bring to you. And I trust that when you read the chapters at home, you will be able to put together what you've heard this morning and give you an idea of what the background is. So, we're seeing Jesus having a very, very busy day ministering to the sick, feeding the multitude. Incidentally, 
Matthew tells us that there were 5,000 men besides women and children. So in actual fact, if we add the women and the children very conservatively, about two and a half to 3,000, we say there were 8,000 who were fed that day of five bread rolls and two sardines. Massive feast. Yet that's what the Lord can do. Very impressive. Now, after a very busy day, it was getting towards evening, Jesus said to the disciples, get into the boat and go over to the other side, the other side of the lake, while he sorted out the crowd and dispersed them, and then went up into the mountain to have his own quiet time, mountain or hills, whatever that may be. And the next thing we see is, or we read, is that in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus looks into the darkness over the water. Now in Israel, there were four watches divided into four quarters, three hours of each. Six to nine, nine to twelve, twelve to three, and three to six. Then we start all over again. And it's in the three to six period, the fourth watch of the night, when Jesus looked across the water and he took in what was going on. There was a terrific storm brewing on the lake. Well, why did it not affect Jesus then? He was in the same vicinity. The reason is that Galilee, the lake of Galilee, if you can take this in, is 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. And it's surrounded by hills. And you can get into the boat on a very, very calm day and start rowing and suddenly the wind gets up, which is normal, but not on Galilee, because it can brew up a storm within minutes. The wind blows and it strikes the hills because it can't rise above the hills and it swirls. And as it swirls, it hits the waters and it gets stronger and stronger and it creates a storm in itself. And that's what the disciples faced. John tells us that, that there was a terrific wind that set up the storm. And Jesus sees this and he goes across to the disciples. Now Mark tells us that Jesus made as though he was going to walk past the boat. This was all during the storm. And they then managed to see him. They hadn't seen him till he almost got up to the boat. And they screamed in terror. They thought that it's in an apparition. And Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Matthew tells us, Peter, impulsive as always, said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you. And Jesus said, come. So he steps out of the boat and walks toward Jesus. And partway, he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the waves. And he begins to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Jesus saves him. 
takes him back to the boat. And just before this, as he saved him, he said, Oh, you of little faith. He wasn't castigating him in any way, reprimanding him, as we'll see in a moment. And they go back to the boat. And as they step into the boat, the wind sees, the storm stops. And these brawny fishermen look at him and wonder, what kind of man is this? In another gospel of John, uh, another chapter of the gospel of John, we read that they said even the winds and the waves obey him. He is master of all his creation. Land, sea and air. He controls it all. So you say, well, why did he not control the storm and stop it in the first place? Do you remember the title I gave you? Breakthrough within the storm. That's the reason why. Now, this has been a message that has been filtering on my heart for the last four years. And this is the first opportunity I have of sharing it. Because that is exactly what happened to me. Not, I had my Galilee on land. And I cried out, Lord, save me. Save us, my wife and I. And God did. And what I want to say to you this morning, if you're here and you're unsaved you don't know Jesus. You won't get that kind of salvation. You won't find that kind of help when you need it. But when you get to know Jesus, you can call upon him and he will help you in the time of need. Anyway, let's move on. They sit in the boat and they wonder as they look at Jesus. Awestruck. They don't know what to say. And then Mark tells us this. They remembered not the loaves and fish. Very important. The idea overall behind everything was that day of miracles was supposed to speak to the disciples in no uncertain terms. Yet Mark tells us they considered it not while they were in the boat after the storm. Because had they considered it, they would know that the man sitting with them in the boat was the one who made blind eyes to see. He unstopped the deaf ears. He made the dumb to speak. And he straightened out crooked bones and made the, lamb whole, made the lame whole. And they walked. They didn't remember all that. Isn't it wonderful? They didn't remember all the miracles they'd seen in the last eight hours. 
Otherwise they would have known who was sitting in the boat. They wouldn't have been as awestruck then as they would have been when he fed 5,000 on five little bread rolls and two sardines. And that just conveys the message to you, friend, that it's so easy for us to lose out on what God is doing. And then Mark goes a bit further, and he says this, they considered not the loaves and the fish because their heart was hardened. Did you get that? And he wasn't talking to unsaved people. He was talking to saved people. It's so easy for us, including me, to get into that situation. And we've got to be so careful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's what the scripture says. Let us go back 30 years to the Annunciation when Gabriel came to Mary and told her what was going to happen to her over the next 12 months. And Mary said at the end of the message, How can these things be? And yet the scripture goes on to say that she kept these sayings in her heart and she pondered over them. Like a cattle in the field eating grass and then sitting down and chewing the cud. That's what she did. She kept this in her heart And she pondered over it. Now fast forward 30 years into the future. Or into the present where we are now. You will remember that Jesus and Mary were invited to a marriage in Cana. Which they attended. And Mary said to the servants... Do whatever he tells you. (coughs) Now put that together with what she heard at the Annunciation. She pondered over the things that she had heard. Faith built up within her. And when the time came, she was able to say to the servants, Do what he tells you. And after Jesus had asked them to fill the six pitchers with water and draw, they drew the best wine they'd ever tasted. That was Mary's faith. And that was at a time when the scripture says his own kin and kind told him, you are mad. You are balmy. We have nothing to do with you. And they went off. And Mary believed. That's what faith does. 
and it keeps us from having this hardened heart because we think of the goodness of the Lord. Now, Scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10. And we can read the Scriptures, friend, from cover to cover and have it in here. We can recite it, do what we like with it. But until it gets to where the Holy Spirit is, who is within you, within me, it does nothing. It's the dead letter of the word that killeth. That's what happened to the disciples. The dead letter killed the reality of what they'd seen. And it's when the word from here drops down into here, the heart of man, not the fleshly heart, the spiritual heart, what you are, who you are. Once the word drops in there, which is where the Holy Spirit resides, as temples, as we are temples of the Holy Spirit, it's charged up by the Holy Spirit. Your vision is renewed, like Mary's was after 30 years. She still saw the reality of what Jesus, of who Jesus was. It stirs up your heart. It stirs up your faith. And he makes you want more. The disciples didn't do that. And their heart was hardened. And all through scripture you will read from the emancipation out of Egypt... God chided with his people because their hearts were hardened. One minute they cried out, we've nothing to eat. God sent them manna from heaven. Their heart was hardened. They said, we want flesh. God sent them quails. They killed and ate quails until they stuffed themselves so much, the scripture says they burst open. They'd eaten so much because their heart was hardened. They'd seen the miracles. They cried out, we want water to drink. Our cattle need water to drink. Moses, the Lord gave them water out of the rock. All they had to do was just ask. Instead, they chided with God. And God continually kept saying, their hearts are hardened, their hearts are hardened. The reason for ten miracles over Pharaoh, his heart was hardened after each one. He'd seen the miracles. Nothing happened. That's why when the rich man was in hell, he said to Moses, to Abraham, send someone to tell my relatives not to come to this place. Moses said, if they don't receive the word, nobody can reach them. It's only the word that will do it. The word of God is the life changer. And the disciples received their breakthrough within the storm on Galilee. They were saved from it. 
And why you need faith is because 99.9% of the time God will take you over the edge. Hence, breakthrough within the storm. You will have your own storms in life. It will come when you won't know what to do. You'll struggle. You'll try and bail out the water, but it's coming in twice as fast as you can get rid of it. And all the time, standing at your elbows, is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, he says. And we are so busy thinking we can work our way out of this that we don't see Jesus. And he makes us though he's going to pass by. And if we don't arrest him and call him, there'll be no help. But if we do, there's relief from the storm. Remember Daniel? And Darius, God could have prevented him from going to the lion's den, but he didn't. He let Daniel go in, into the den of a hungry, ferocious lion. And when Daniel got in, the lion had been neutralized. Didn't want anything to do with Daniel. And he spent 24 hours in the den. The Hebrew boys in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when Nebuchadnezzar said, fall down and worship my golden image, they dared to stand up because of where they stood in God. And they said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not going to worship your golden image. Nebuchadnezzar sensed insurrection. He began to fume. We will not bow down to your image, Nebuchadnezzar. We will not worship your image. Our God is able to deliver us. Nebuchadnezzar saw red. But if not, that's the if not of faith. If not, we will not bow, Nebuchadnezzar. Cast them into the furnace, he said. And they were cast in. And when they got into the furnace, what did they see? Jesus. He had neutralized the fire completely. These are miracles, friend. They're true. Not fairy tales. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I can see four people in there. We only threw three in. That was Jesus. He'd met them in their storm, in the fire. As he met Daniel in his storm in the den. And the disciples in their storm on Galilee. You need Jesus in your life, friend. Because you will face storms in this life. And things are getting worse now. There are going to be more and more storms when the enemy is going to tell you, look at what's happening. Get yourself out of it. And you're going to try and work your way out and you won't. 
because it's too big for you. But it isn't too big for him. He can do it. Oh, friend, listen to what God says. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God is never more pleased than when he sees somebody with faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 4. And he says, you can come as often as you like. You can come to me every second of your life, for the rest of your life, and I will be only too pleased to help you. When we put faith in God, it stirs him. Because he wants us to grow in faith. He wants us in the midst of an unbelieving world to believe that he can do it, that he will do it. He wants us to believe. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is what we need. Not in here, but in here. He that hath ears to hear, Jesus knows we've all got ears. Spiritual ears. He that hath spiritual ears to hear, let him hear. He that hath a spiritual heart, let it be softened by this very word. And you will see things you've never dreamed of or ever thought of will happen. Because God is in control of the storm in your life. Isn't he wonderful? Oh friend, the scripture says this, clap your hands all ye people and sing with joy. Can we do that? Stand to our feet and give Jesus and God a clap of praise. Come on, let's do that. I know it's unnatural, but he deserves it. He deserves it. He is worthy of it. He is worthy. And while you're on your feet, we'll sing in closing, Amazing Grace. Thank you.